Uh, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, uh, we are continuing our study in the book of Luke. And if you have been with us um, two weeks ago, we were really focusing on some claims that Jesus um, was making about himself and others were beginning to understand who he was. And so the real focus two weeks ago was, uh, who is Jesus? And as people were getting more experience with Jesus, they were beginning to put kind of the story together as the story was unfolding right before them. And of course, this is before Jesus is gonna be on the cross, before his resurrection. People were beginning to say, who, say he is this, he is that, he is, he is John the Baptist, come alive again. He is um, Elijah. He is one of the prophets, one of the prophets who's died and come back alive again. And so there's a great mystery into who, he, who Jesus was. And it was coming from those who were near him and those who were outside. And, and at the end of last week, we heard this proclamation from Peter, Jesus' closest disciple. And he, may, he says, I'll say who Jesus is. You are the Messiah, the Messiah of God. And this is a... a an amazing phrase, because Messiah is the word for Savior. It's, it's the word Christ. You are the Christ of God. You are the Savior. You're the one who is going to save us. You're the one that was promised. You have come from God. You are God. Powerful, powerful phrase. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody about it. Don't tell anybody that message yet. In part, because they would not be ready to hear that message because Jesus really hadn't shown. He hadn't done the real proof which was about yet to come. Today, as we look at the scriptures, we're going to see how Jesus says, it isn't enough just to say, you know who I am. There's more than that. And so as you're listening today, you may be someone who is... Uh, who is new to faith, and you are considering these things, and this is the word that you are going to want to hear. And Jesus calls men and women from all time in different places and different languages to come and follow him. And today I believe the word is for you, and I pray that you have ears to hear what he has to say to you. There are others who are uh, uh, young saints. You have come to faith and Maybe you came to faith a long time ago, but you haven't seen much growth and maturity. This word is for you today, too. He is calling you, he is drawing you out to a deeper and more meaningful relationship with him. And then there, there are some old timers in here. You've been around the block a little bit. And you, you spent time and you've been growing in the faith. And the word is for you today, too, as you look at how God is working and how you look at your relationships, your discipleship relationships, as you are spending time one-on-one -on -one with folks and, and, and seeing them become disciples of Christ and begin to see, like, the, the, the spiritual maturity over time, what you can kind of expect to see as you also are called into this disciple-making process, what you should expect to see in people as they are going along in the disciple-making process, as they are maturing from infants, spiritual infants, to grown adults. It's a big task we have today. So now we even ask, do you believe in Jesus? We, we see at football games a big sign that goes up, John 3.16, right? Like the, the most important scripture. 
and it's published everywhere, and we, 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 we know what it says. And so some people may know anything about the Scripture, but they can tell you at John 3.16, or at least they can tell you it's important. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Fundamental to our faith. But if it's taken only by itself, and we see it's only this idea of belief, a a kind of mental assent, or just a checking of the box, like, I can go along with that. Is that enough? Is it enough to, to say, I believe that description, I believe that Jesus existed. There's more to it than this. There are There are implications when you say Jesus is the Messiah of God. It isn't just saying, I I believe that he is God. But when you say he is God, there are real implications. For example, like when when you have a boss, and you know him as boss, or boss man, or boss woman, and you're at work and you're doing your things, and then when the boss leaves, what do you do? Do you talk bad about them? Do you quit your work? You see, we could have a boss, but we don't respect them or yield to them as a boss. You're driving with your buddy down the road. I'm not saying this ever happened. And driving along, and your buddy's driving, and all of a sudden he swerves and goes down a different street at a very fast rate. And you look in your mirror and say, hey man, be careful, there's police behind us with the sirens on. And he says, I know. You see, we both recognize the police, but he's saying, I want to get away from the police, right? It's not a pulling over, it's a getting away from. So we we recognize the position, we recognize who they are, but we are not necessarily submitted to who they are. Do you know what I'm talking about? So just because we know who Jesus is doesn't mean that we have yielded to him. In fact, when, when Peter calls Jesus the Messiah of God, he's referring to him both in title, but also his function, what he's going to do. As the Messiah of God, he's going to save people. And there's implication, the Savior is also to be worshipped and to be followed. And now as we see in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is going to call people to be disciples of him, to follow him. And when they do, to be called disciples, it's not just a title. Just like Christians, it's not just a title. There are implications in calling yourself a Christian. There's implications in calling yourself a disciple. It means that you're going to do certain things. You're going to have a different focus. It isn't just that you check a box, like on a form. Yeah, I'm Christian. No, I, I have a purpose to my life. I'm going in a certain direction, and Jesus is going to explain that to us today. Let's, let's look now in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. And Jesus said to all of them, If any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit of man if he gains the whole 
world and loses or forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Jesus is really saying two things. One is saying, this is what it takes to be a follower after me. This is what it means to yield to me, and this is why. Let's start with the first one. This is what Jesus says it means to yield to me. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Three different things. Let him deny himself, take up his cross. When we deny ourselves, we're saying we're going in a certain way, but when we come to Christ, we're saying no longer is my agenda the most important agenda. Your agenda is the most important. If Jesus is the Messiah of God, then we follow him and we begin to take off our mantle, our responsibility, I mean, our, our uh, plans in life, and we redirect them after him. We, uh, when we were at Campus Crusade, we talk about this throne, that when you come to when you come to Christ, you've been sitting on your throne, you've been directing your life like this, and, and, and you've been directing people, and, and everything is about you and your lordship over your life. But when we come to Christ, we get off of the throne, and, we, and Jesus now sits in the throne of our lives. And we, we give up the mantle, we give it, wherever you lead, I will go. Deny yourself. The second is to take up the cross. I want you to think about the disciples. They had not experienced Jesus' death and resurrection. They didn't know how significant the cross was. They were thinking about these men who would walk through town who were sentenced to die. And they would have a, 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 a piece of wood that they would be tied to and they'd walk through the city on their way to be crucified. And so if you see a guy walking around the city with a block of wood on his back, you know, this, this ain't good. You know that he, he was some kind of criminal. And so to see someone walking down the street like that, you know, it was a dead man walking. And, and since we have such close association with the cross, it's easy for us to kind of think about it maybe differently than these disciples did. I would like for us to maybe think of it a different way. If we saw someone walking around with a noose around their neck, you would kind of go, that's not safe. Right? What do you... That doesn't make sense. And Jesus is now saying to the disciples, put a noose around it. It must have been fairly perplexing. It's easy for us to think about the cross, you know. In hindsight, we get to see what happened afterwards. But the disciples, when they're hearing it, they don't know that Jesus is going to the cross. And when they hear that you're supposed to, to, to be like a dead man walking, what does that really mean? What does it mean to you and me to have a noose around, to walk around with a noose around our necks? It's kind of a, it's a crazy picture, isn't it? And for the disciples, it was a crazy picture. We're going to walk with a cross on our back? And Jesus is saying, don't do it just one time, like a show of, of solidarity or something. I want you to always, every day, walk with a noose. Walk with the cross. A, a, an everyday reminder that you have died to the old way. That old man, that old woman is dead, and behold, there is something new. I no longer are going to live for me. I'm living for Jesus Christ. 
Our, our, our whole life changes so that as we are walking down the street, we are men and women with nooses around our necks. That people can look at us and go, there's something different about them. Because we have submitted, we've yielded our life. Part of yielding our life is saying, you know, how I used to be with all my cares and concerns is different than where I am today. I, I look at those things and I, I used to be so troubled and I used to have such focus on different things, but no longer do, I, I now want to say, what do you want, Christ? I see you present in my life. I've died to that old man. And not to say that those things that we desired in the past were wrong or that we should discard them at all. In fact, a lot of the things that God had worked in us, even in our sinful ways, he is now using and redeeming for greater things, right? He's using even those bad experiences that we had for great testimonies today. He's using those desires we had for, for whatever, whatever in, in work or in, in art or whatever. He's using those, he's redeeming those for a greater work that he wants to do in us. I thank God I still get to play basketball. Like, part of my conversion was I love playing basketball. The Lord didn't take that away from me. He, like, redeemed it. So now I get to play basketball with guys and, 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 and share the Bible with them and pray with them. Praise the Lord, right? Because we die to ourselves doesn't mean that we have killed our spirits. And in fact, God has saved us to fulfill and complete us because we were made to worship him. We were made as worshipers. Right? And if we don't, Jesus says, if you don't worship me, even the rocks that I made will cry out. We were made for worship. And when we, when we begin to inhabit the things that God has called us to do, as we yield to him, we are fulfilled in all that he created us to be. Jesus calls us to a daily dying. A dying to that old self. Because, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian... There's a daily dying, isn't there? A thousand deaths. Those old things creep up in us. Something new comes up in us too. You know, sometimes it's not just the old stuff. There's some new stuff like, oh, I didn't know where did that come from. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm more anxious or I'm more fearful. I, uh, or I, I'm, just, I'm just, my mouth is filthier. I'm lying or whatever it might be. Like, where did that come from? And so we die to our old self, or we see some of those old, uh, old desires creeping up against, we, we've died to those. So we walk around as dead men walking. Third thing he says is, deny yourself, take up your cross, and finally he says, come and follow me. Jesus, as he's walking, is telling the disciples his days are numbered. Jesus was on his path towards redemption. When Jesus says, come and follow me, where is he saying to go? Jesus is on his way towards redemption. He is on his way to bring glory to the Father. He is, he is going forward to show grace as he went. What does it mean for us to follow after Jesus? When Jesus says, come and follow me, what is he talking about? He's saying that we need to take that same path to redemption, to follow in those same footsteps. To go where he goes, to be with people like he would be with people. So in every circumstance, we are like Christ in that moment for others. That we are part of God's big plan to bring grace and mercy to those we meet along the way. 
that's kind of a flip in like in your, your plans for life, isn't it? Like as I go along, my career is now focused not on how much money I can make and what kind of position I can have, but it's focused on how as I go along this path, can I bring glory to God in this position, in this place, and with these people. Jesus is calling us out. He's calling us out into a different kind of life. He's saying, come and follow me. Be a part of redemption. Be a part of redeeming the world around us. How do we know this path that he's marked out for us? Well, there's a couple ways we can know. One is generally, like Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my path, a light unto my feet, and a light unto my path. That the word of God itself, as we spend more time with it, we find out generally this is what God wants from his people. This is how I should live. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that it, by it you may grow up into salvation. The word of God is our general principles for following Jesus. I like how it talks about in 1 Peter 2 that we are like newborn infants longing for the pure milk of the word. Our first steps. So you, you, you who are still infants in Christ, your first steps is to be in the word of God. Studying, knowing it, memorizing it. These are the first steps. They give us an idea of where we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be in Christ. So we have generally, we must know the path by the word of God. The second is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Where do I go? What do I do? Who should I be with? And we, we learn to pray. And the Holy Spirit is sent as our guide as our, our, our spiritual communicator, our, the one who will walk with us as we go, who will give us direction. So spiritually maturing people, right? Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. This is our daily life. Listening, what was the Holy Spirit to do? What, what, what is he convicting me of? What is the Holy Spirit uh, empowering me to do? This is walking with Jesus. Finally, Jesus says, here are the three reasons why you should not just check the box, but that you should follow after me, that you should yield your life to me. The first is, if you're going to save your life, look at verse 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. He's saying, whatever... Whatever our goals and intents were before, if you get that, look in verse 25, what profit is it, a man, if he gains the whole world or loses or forfeits himself? You can think about, these are actually like accounting terms. So if you look at, you look at uh, like uh, assets versus liability, what if we spend all of our life and all of our dreams actually came true? Like if, if you set all your goals, like here's my 10-year goal, here's my, this is what I finally want to achieve. I want to have $2 million in the bank. I want to have that really nice house on whatever street. I, I want to have 2.5 children. I want to have the picket fence. 
I want to be respected in the community, whatever it might be. It, as we set those out, what if we actually received all those even to the nth degree? And at the end of our life, we had all of those things. He says, but what if on the other side, you lost your soul? This short-term thing that we worked so hard for, these numbered days that we had that we worked so hard for, and they are now worth zero. What would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? And the third thing he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Are you proud to be with Jesus? Do you mind showing him off? Saying what he has done in your life? Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, if people come around, you can't be with me. Then when I come, I won't know you either. Jesus is calling us into a different way to look at our lives. To be on board with him. To follow after him. For, you, for those who are making disciples, I want, you to, I want you to think about those folks that you're working with. There are some who are kind of of the very beginning. Maybe they're not even believers yet. And they're just grappling with the idea that Jesus is the Messiah of God. Keep preaching, keep teaching, showing them the way. There are those who come to faith and they, they're not good for much. <laughs> they're not really very productive yet in the kingdom. They're still trying to figure things out. Encourage, love them along the way. And then there are some who are a, a longer, further along in this process that Jesus is talking about. They're a little more mature. And now, now they're like, I, I want... I want to reorder my life and I don't know how to do it. Sit down with them and encourage them and, and, and just say, you're going to have to keep working through it, right? You're going to have to keep understanding how God is going to, to refocus your priorities. And then as they get a little older, they're like, I want to do whatever God wants me to do. I just don't know what it is. Y'all been there before? And you're so excited, but... You don't know where to go or what to do. And so it's kind of like that kid at the end of the bench that says to me, Coach, put me in, put me in. Because I wasn't, I wasn't in. Uh, Coach, put me in. That's the, way, that's the attitude you start having. Like, I don't know what, but just let me do it. And so we want to provide opportunities for you as you're growing your discipleship to try this out, to work in this area, to see how God's uh, created you, whether it's in our church or outside the church. But know that God has a plan for you. God is going to use you for his kingdom's sake. He has called you into a different kind of lifestyle to come and follow him. And he's all about bringing redemption to this world. He's calling us along for that journey. And there's going to be some work. There's going to be some effort. It's going to be a glorious work and a glorious effort. And we're going to stumble and fall as we go along, as we come and follow after him. But he's going to pick us up and he's going to carry us along and, and guide us in the direction that he calls us to be. It is a great thing to be a disciple of Christ. Come and follow after him. Dead to the old self and alive to Christ.
as the people of God. Let us walk with our Lord every day.